Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Kurt Ames. This is the last installment of our Galatians series. Um, I want to jump right into the Word. If you guys missed anything, we have live stream, we got YouTube, we've got podcasts and all that stuff, and, and um, so you guys can go back and catch up, but I don't have time to recap because I want to get right to the Word because I got a lot of ground to cover tonight. So you guys ready? Yeah. You guys ready? Listen, I'm just going to be honest. It feels a little tense in here right now. What's up with that? You guys all right? Deontay, you okay? It's been a long day. It's been a long few weeks. Huh? Come on, somebody. You guys, you guys dealing with a bunch of stuff at school, aren't you? A bunch of stuff in your lives, aren't you? Yes, me too. It's like I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get through the week. You know what I'm saying? That's what my wife and I feel like right now. Just I'm trying to get to Thanksgiving so I can eat some turkey and just relax and maybe go into some sort of a coma for like three days and then wake up refreshed. Do you know what I'm saying? You long for some refreshing? Well, listen to me. Who here would, would say, I was talking to Nick about, about this earlier and we were just talking about how thankful, thankful that we are for Thursday nights. And now I know that we get to, to be part of the leadership team here, but I truly look forward to coming here on Thursday nights, not just because I get to preach most Thursday nights, but I, I look forward to coming here because I leave this place refreshed. I leave this place energized. I leave this place better than I came in. You know what I'm saying? You connect with God through worship and through the word and something just happens. And I don't know what happens to me. I don't know if this happens for you, but Nick and I both can't, I can't go to sleep after I leave this place. Anybody else struggle with that sometimes, man? I, I'm up to like three in the morning watching movies where people are getting killed and stuff. Like I can't, for whatever reason, when I'm done preaching, I'm super hungry and I want to watch like films where people are dying. It's really strange, but I, I, I don't know. It's just something I do. I go to On Demand and... You know, anyways, that's another story. You guys ready for the word? You sure? Have you enjoyed this series? Have you enjoyed the series of Galatians? I felt like I took a risk by teaching through a book of the Bible, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This has been my favorite series that we've ever done here at Access. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed it as well. We're going to finish up tonight. It's an important scripture for every single one of us as followers of Jesus Christ that we're going to break down, and it's in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to just cover two scriptures, two verses, verses 9 through 10, and it says this. Paul's writing the, the Galatian church. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if... It would be so easy to just gloss over that one word, if. There's a contingency in this scripture, and it's if we do not give up. That's all we're going to talk about tonight is not giving up. He goes on, he says, therefore, as we all have the opportunity, let us do good to, oh, this is pathetic. I'm going to make you guys work. Let us do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. You're looking at the household of faith right here. It says, let, let us do good to all people, not some people, not people that we agree with, not people that we just seem to like, not our cousin, not our, listen, all people, especially the people of the household of faith. And then Hebrews 10.36 says this, you need endurance so that after you have done 
what God wants you to do, you can receive what he has promised. How many of you love getting a promise from God? Listen, this scripture is very clear that you only get the promise of God after you have done what God has asked you to do. We've been talking about this a little bit in the, in the series as well. So the title of my message tonight is this. Put your praise pants on. Did you hear me? Vicente, did you hear me back there? Can, yeah, I'm speaking loud enough. Put your praise pants on. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to rile up your emotions. I'm just telling you like it is because I'm telling you what. The reality is, is you're going to have to keep your praise pants on in this lifetime. It will help you get to the finish line. We'll break it down a little bit, but let's pray because I need help. And so do you. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for being awesome. Holy Spirit, help me to preach real good. Help it to be all done in love. Say whatever it is that um, you think I need to say through me tonight, God. I just pray that each of us would be strengthened, encouraged, and stretched, and challenged in all the right ways. In Jesus' name, we all together said, amen. amen. Have you ever felt like what you see in your life is completely different and doesn't match up to what you feel like God has placed in your heart? Yeah? Do you, do you ever feel like your revelation does not match and line up with reality? Do you ever feel like God has asked you to start tithing when you don't even know if you're gonna be able to pay rent? Have you ever had God ask you, that, you know, to give to somebody generously, monetarily with some money to bless some people uh, real good? Maybe it's a waitress or maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody who's struggling. He's asked you to bless somebody financially when you could use the money yourself. When, when, when God, what he has placed inside of you as a promise, as a dream, as your destiny doesn't seem to become, or it's not reality right now in your life. Has anybody ever been there? I think if we're all honest, we've all been there. And many of us are there right now. Many of us are there right now. So here's my question, though. We all want victory in our lives now. Have you ever felt like you, you were promised to live in victory? And we're supposed to be living in victory, right, as followers of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus already won the victory. He shares the victory with us. But then when we start following Jesus, we still have trials we still have tests. We still have things that try to come against us to slow us down, do we not? Right? We get tested by God. We never get tempted by God. And in those tests, sometimes it's real easy for us to give up in the midst of the process. Have you ever looked at someone else who seems to be standing in the middle of victory and you oversimplified what their process because you think that how they got there was so super simple, but you oversimplified their process that you're not willing to go through to stand in the victory that they're now standing in. Come on, somebody. Are you with me tonight? Shake your head. Can you please help me preach good tonight? I need your help. We're doing this together. Amen? Okay, thank you. Okay, let's get some life going in here, okay? Listen to me. God wants 
every single one of you to live and stand in victory in this lifetime. But why is it then many times we feel defeated? Why is it that we don't yet obtain some of the promises of God for our life? Is this not Christianity? Have you ever, have you ever heard about the, the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho? Raise your hands, show me. Y'all know about the, the story of Joshua and Jericho, good. Listen, I'm gonna talk to you tonight not about continuing to do good. I'm not gonna talk to you about that part of it because it'd be real easy to do that. What I wanna talk to you tonight about is why people stop short of obtaining the promises of God for their life. And I've got three things that I'm gonna share with you. Why people quit in the middle of the process. And the first reason is this. Too many people allow circumstances to determine their perspective. Too many people allow circumstances, external circumstances, to determine their perspective. The battle of Joshua, or excuse me, the battle of Jericho that Joshua fought, right? I, I chose to use this text tonight, and we're going to break it down a little bit, and here's why I chose the text. See, Joshua has spent 45 years wandering in the wilderness because 12 spies about 40 years prior to that, right, they, they went into the promised land, they spied it out, they came back, and two spies, two of the spies that saw the promised land that Joshua is about to enter into when they take down Jericho, came back. Joshua and Caleb stood in faith. They said, listen, this land is amazing. It's ours to take. God is for us. We can go take it right now. The other 10 spies said something completely different. They started whining, oh no, we can't get into the promised land. They got giants in there, the walls are too big, we can't go in. And by the way, you know, I was thinking about that too. Name me one of those 10 spies that stood in unbelief. Exactly. They didn't make the good book. Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, they made it. So Joshua now, 45 years later, he's ready to go take Jericho, right? This book of Joshua is a book of transition where the Israelites are coming out of slavery, which Moses led them out, right? But Moses can't go into the promised land. So they're coming out of slavery. They're going through a process and now they're transitioning into obtaining a promise that God gave them that this land is yours, but they haven't yet obtained it. What has the book of Galatians been about? It's been about the grace of God, how you're no longer a slave, but a son and daughter of God, and how you're now supposed to not live like slaves any longer, slaves to sin, but now you're supposed to live in heaven's freedom. These two books have a lot of parallels. That's why I chose to use Joshua's scripture tonight. So I wanna show you verse one and verse two of chapter six. It says this, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. No one went out, no one came in because the gates were securely barred. And by the way, Jericho wasn't even that big of a city, but the walls of Jericho were extremely high. So what, what is the scripture telling? It was impossible to get into this place. It was impossible. No one came in, no one went out, and that included Joshua and his army, right? So verse two says this, and this is where it gets interesting because verse one and verse two don't seem to add up in my opinion. Here's what verse two says. Then the Lord says to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings 
and it's fighting men. First of all, I want to say this. Verse 2 is awesome. Why? Because only God can talk in past tense about a battle and a victory that hasn't even been fought yet. Whoa! Drop a bomb on you like that. Listen, that's the God that we do serve. He goes ahead of you and fight, fights battles before you even get into them. So he tells Joshua this. Listen, and this is what Joshua sees. you got to understand the context. He sees that Jericho is securely barred. All of its gates are secured. The walls are so stinking high that there's no way that they can penetrate this place. It is impenetrable. It is impossible for them to take that city. And then God comes and speaks to them and says, see, I've delivered them into your hands. And I gotta put myself in Joshua's shoes. If I'm there and I'm looking at Jericho with my eyes, <laughs> no, what I don't see, I see does not add up with what you're telling me, God. What I see is that that is impossible and you're crazy. And by the way, how many people, and if we're being honest with ourselves tonight, how many of us, if we saw what Joshua saw with his natural eyes and then had God come to you, speak to you, and say, I've delivered that place into your hands, how many of us would have actually obeyed God? If we're being honest with ourselves, it would have been difficult, right? I believe this. I believe many people, this is why I love the story about Joshua so much. I believe that many people would have quit right there. Would have quit right there. But we know the rest. We know that Joshua obeys God. And by the way, friends, you know this is the craziest military strategy of all time that God gives him. Huh? Come on. He gives him some crazy strategy. But here's the neat thing about what Joshua did. Joshua did not let the external circumstances that he saw with his natural eyes determine his perspective. And this is the good thing about God. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And listen, God is smarter than you. And he knows how to get some things done. So when he told Joshua that, it's amazing to me that his obedience was the very next thing that followed. He did not waver in his faith. He put all of his faith and his hope and his trust was in God. And God said this, some crazy stuff. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your army and I want you to tell them to do this. For the next six days, I want you to march around that town six times. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And then when I tell you, I want you to give a loud shout of praise and then the walls will come tumbling down. If God told me that, friends, I cannot stand up here and say that I would have went in front of my army and said, and by the way, he doesn't even tell them the plan. <laughs> this is, <laughs> he didn't tell them the plan because I think he knew that he would have sounded like a crazy man. The scripture actually says that he tells his mighty men, he tells his army this. He says, listen, friends, I want you to do this. I just want you to start marching and shut your mouths. It's all he says. We're going to start marching, but I want you to shut your mouth. Why did he want them to shut? Because God didn't even tell him to tell them to shut their mouths. He did that on his own. Listen, he waited 45 years for an opportunity <laughs> to get into the promised land. And the very thing that 
didn't allow them to get into the promised land 40 years prior was people's mouths. <laughs> By the way, one of the very things for you and I, one of the very things for you and I that keeps us from entering into our promises from God is our mouths. Man, we talk ourselves into discouragement all the time, don't we? We talk ourselves right into unbelief, don't we? Listen, some of the best orders that I could ever give you as a pastor while you're in the process is shut up and march. Turn to like three people around you and just say, shut up and march. You know you've wanted to tell people in church to shut up. Just do it right now. Get it off your bucket list. Shut up and march. Come on, Nate. Shut up and march. Right? Are you guys with me, though? Listen, just keep on keeping on. So listen, this is, the, this is the cool thing. Why people stop short, I believe that they allow external circumstances to determine their perspective. Joshua did not. Joshua got God's perspective and went with that. How many of you know that's a good idea? Second thing is this. We don't see any progress. I, th I think people stop short so many times because they don't see any progress taking place. By the way, <laughs> I love progress. Do you guys like progress? You like to see progress in your life taking place, don't you, right? We're, we're creatures of habit. We love progress. Listen, I got, you, you know what this is? Bam, you know what that is? It's 8.02, but you know what that is? Bam. This is called a Fitbit. You know I got this Fitbit? Because I like tracking progress. And what this does, it tracks a whole bunch of cool stuff, right? It tracks how many steps I took today. Y'all want to know, by the way? Bam. Here we go. 13,318 steps today. I didn't say that so you could clap. Because some of you walked more than that, and you just don't know it because you ain't got a Fitbit. But listen... <laughs> I love wearing this thing because, listen, for me, if you are wired like this guy, I like progress because progress motivates me to keep going. Okay, you're with me. Help me preach this because I need to know if you're with me, you know. Sometimes you feel alone. I'm alone on this stage. Help a brother out. Listen, sometimes... When we see progress, it helps to motivate us to get to a goal. So what I did when I got this Fitbit, you can set goals and, you know, I want to get down to like 215. I got some work to do. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Trying to get down to college weight, you know what I'm saying? 215. I got some work to do. So what I did is I'm turning 36 on February 28th. So I cast off to February 28th and said, I want to be this weight by then. I put it into my Fitbit. My Fitbit helps me. I can track my calories on here. I can track all sorts of stuff, how many steps I took, how many calories I can eat for the rest of the day. And then I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm a te we're testing Fitbit, you know, me and my wife. But I'm supposed to lose like, you know, one to two pounds possibly a week and, you know, something like that or whatever it is a month. And, and then at your, at your, when you get to February 26, I should be at my target weight, but I love progress. So I can track my progress. And when I see progress and then when I get on the scale and I've dropped a few pounds, that progress motivates me to keep. Absolutely. How about you? Same thing, right? What about y'all ever played Mario Kart? 
it's one of the best games of all time. I had, uh, I had Nick ask a question the other day. This is what we talk about when you guys aren't here. He said, have you ever, you know, Super Nintendo, what was your favorite Super Nintendo game? I was like, the first thing that came out of my mouth was Super Tech Mobile. I mean, of course, that, that's a great game. Bo Jackson was a man on that. Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, I mean, I could go on and on. But listen, that was before y'all's time, okay? But here's the thing. Super Mario Kart, if you've ever played it, it actually tracks how many laps, right? You remember that? You get done with one lap and this little thing comes down on a cloud and I don't even know what it's called, but it comes down, it's got a little flag, it says three laps to go, two laps to go, one lap left and you know where you're at, you know what you gotta do to try to win the race, right? Don't you wish... See, I was thinking about this. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't give us a clock? So that we can track our progress. Why he doesn't, you know, tell us how many laps we have left to go until we reach our promise. Isn't that interesting? Because he doesn't. I want to know. It's like, you know, I want to know what my progress is looking like. I want to know, God, if you've promised me this, and I'm not yet experiencing it, I would like to know when that day's going to come because I believe that that would motivate me to keep going and not quit. But listen, none of us know how many laps we even have left in life, let alone in obtaining the promises of God that we feel like he's placed in our heart. And you know, the, the battle of Jericho is interesting because like I said, Joshua comes to his, to his army and he doesn't tell them how many laps that they're even going to take over this seven-day period. He doesn't tell them anything about it. He just says, start marching and keep your mouth shut. I'll let you know when the time's right. So these guys, you gotta think from their perspective, right? They're going around this town all day long. They're walking, they're walking. They get around, they go home the first day, couldn't even say a word. Could you imagine getting back to your spouse or your boyfriend or your girl, whatever? And they're like, oh baby, did you do some work today? Did you, did, are you gonna take Jericho tomorrow? And they're like, well, I, I got like 13,000 steps in today, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't like, <laughs> I don't know, it was like preseason. I, I don't know what Joshua was thinking, but I, I I don't know. And then day two, they march around town again. And they come back home, couldn't say a word again. And they got to be thinking, listen, what the heck are we doing? What are we doing? For all they know, they got to keep doing this the rest of their life before God's going to show up and do anything. They don't know how many laps that they got to go around this place before they're going to try to enter in and take the land. Don't you wish that God gave you a clock so that you could track some progress? But listen to me, why is it that Joshua, and why is it that sometimes with God and spiritual things, it just doesn't seem, it, it, we can't really tangibly see a whole lot of progress in a short period of time, like if we're playing sports or, or we're at work and we can see sales numbers or we can, whatever it might be for you, we can track things real easily, Fitbit. But with God and with spiritual things, it's kind of hard to track some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes it gets really hard to stay motivated in doing good and not becoming weary. Why? Here's what I, I, I've come to believe a couple things. I believe that God doesn't give us a time clock. He doesn't tell us how many laps we have left to go. 
He doesn't even tell us what lap we're on. Why? I think it's because many times it's our tendency as human beings and as followers of Jesus Christ is to get so focused on what God is doing for us when we need to be more focused on what God is trying to do in us in the process. Scripture refers to it as the refining fire. I think that's one of the reasons. And I think that every single one of us here, no, I know that every single one of us in this room is in process. And you don't know what lap you're on. You don't know how many laps you have left. This life is but a mist, it's but a vapor. So what is the answer? How do, how do we live without knowing and having a time clock from God? I'm, let me tell you, you live today like it's your last lap. You wake up every day and you live like it's lap number six, day number six, and like day number seven is coming tomorrow. Because if you don't give up, if you don't give up, and if you don't give up, there's a harvest on the other side of not giving up. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's all good, man. I'm glad at least one person in here is digging this. This is a good word, people. And here's the other thing. Day seven comes around, and what do they do? They get to this place. They get a whole marching band, which, by the way, why would you send a marching band out there with trumpets and flutes and stuff? And they give this mighty shout of praise. They, they praise. They open their mouths, and guess what? The walls fall down. They enter into the city, and they take the land. They praised God, and God showed up and did some stuff that he promised he would do for them. So what's the third thing? It's pretty simple. The third reason why I think people stop short is because they stop praising God in the middle of the process. They stop praising God when things get difficult. They stop praising God when their external circumstances look so dreary and, 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 and so their problems become their focus instead of God is their focus and then their progress. They can't match their progress. I don't see any progress. I'm just gonna quit. And they quit praising God in the midst of it, friends. That's what happens. I've seen so many people, Nick and I talked about this, so many people have given up on their marriages, given up on God, given up on the church, given up on their small groups, given up just because they have circumstances that, by the way, many of them got themselves into, not God. And then in the middle of that, they stop praising God and things deteriorate in their lives. Listen to me, friends. Praise is probably the greatest weapon that you and I have in the midst of the process to stay in the process. Praise is, the is, I'm telling you right now, it's so easy for us as followers of Jesus Christ and people who love God to praise God when everything is hunky-dory, and it's great. I am all for that, and if everything is going great, that is so amazing. I love when things are going great. I don't love when things are going wrong. But the Bible says that in all things, we can still give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks for all things. It says in all things. That includes 
Every circumstance, every external circumstance that tries to direct your perspective away from God, even when you don't see the progress taking place in your life or even someone else's life, you can still praise God in the midst of that circumstance and God will keep you in the fight and he will still fight for you. Come on, somebody. The best time to praise God is when you're discouraged. And by the way, usually when you're discouraged and you're depressed, you let yourself by the way you talk right into that place. Do you know that no one has power over you to lead you into depression? Nobody has power over you but you. You are in control of your own life. The fruit of the Spirit is up to you. The fruit of the Spirit is on the other side of obedience to the Spirit, and you can obey God in the midst of some crazy, hellish circumstances. Do you understand that? And God can work in your life and he can work through your life. And don't you ever forget that in the middle of those hellish circumstances, God is trying to do something in you that only pain can do. There's no, listen, so many people are trying to expedite a process that God says you cannot expedite. We want to live in someone else's blessing all the time because we're not willing to go through the pain of what it takes to live and stand in victory. And sometimes, friends, things just come the hard way. I know this is a super uplifting message, isn't it? But I promise you that if you keep your praise pants on, if you just put on your praise pants in the morning, the first thing you do is thank God for what is happening. Don't focus on what's not happening. God, what is happening? What are you doing in my life? What are three to five things that I'm thankful for today? I guarantee you, you will be amazed if you just wake up and start thanking God and start writing some stuff down. Some things will become clear and they will come into focus and all of a sudden you'll see life in a different perspective because now you're seeing from God's perspective and not yours. Here's what David said. I love this. Psalm, Psalm 42, this is nine verses 11. He says, sometimes I ask God, my rock solid God, why did you let me down? Why am I walking around in tears harassed by enemies? They're out for the kill, these tormentors with their obscenities, taunting day after day. Where is this God of yours? And why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. Come on, somebody. Some of the things that you just need to do simply is just to continue to praise when things are not going good, when you feel like you're being taunted by the devil and you can't get out of his grasp. What do you gotta do? You gotta praise. Do you hear me? Are you with me? When you're discouraged, praise. When your family starts to be breaking up, next, by the way, Thanksgiving is coming next week, friends. You gotta be with your family and they're all jacked up like mine too, right? You're gonna have to praise and put your praise pants on before you go. If you, you got a family like mine, I love my family to death, but we're all crazy because we're all messed up. Yeah, James, my cousin is sitting right there, messed up. <laughs> messed up, but I love you. And I'm messed up and you love me and we're gonna eat turkey together. Come on, man. <laughs> deviled eggs. Why are they not called heaven eggs? Why are they gotta be deviled eggs? I've never understood that one. Why did I say that? That was so stupid. It didn't come out as good as I thought it would. But listen, praise. Praise, 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 praise. Stay the course. Don't you quit. The message is really simple. Just don't quit because God is faithful to finish in you what he started in you. He'll do his part if you just stay in the process. You can't expedite it. 
I'm going to tell you, I'm going to finish on a story, but before I do, I want to point somebody out. Brent Knoth. You don't know why they're laughing. I used to get his last name wrong, like last week. <laughs> and he's like one of my best friends. It's hilarious. I, I can't stop calling him Brent Knoth, and his name is Knoth. Okay, so get it right, people. Um, this guy right here, though, uh, I have sat here over the last year or whatever it has been that you entered into this place, and I've watched this, this guy grow. Grow into, and, and, and God's not done with you. God has got an anointing on your life to lead worship, not just to lead worship, but to lead a team in worship and an entire congregation in worship, and I couldn't be more proud of you, my friend. But listen to me. There are so many people that would love to be in Brent's position, so many people that would love to do what Brent does without ever going through the process that Brent went through. And nobody knows about the process that he's been through. How long have you been here? I'm not talking about since like you were three because you've been here literally since, right, at this church. But how long on staff? Seven years on staff. Did an internship here. After the internship, he gets hired on, but he felt like he got hired on for some of the wrong reasons. And then when he got hired, some of the other interns that were interning with him or maybe before him ends up calling him and saying, hey man, why is it that you got the, in or you got the job and I didn't? Hating on him, thinking that he's not the right guy. He stays here through some stuff. I'm talking about hellish circumstances that I'm telling you seven out of 10, I wouldn't even put a number on it, but I would think about seven out of 10 people would have left and they would have got out of Dodge. They would have got out of the process. Brent continued to stay in the process, stay in the process, stay in the process. And then, you know, he's, he served in a place where he didn't feel like he was valued. And then he comes to access when Sebastian left and he comes into access and he takes over, and the first thing I told you was what, brother? Say it out loud. Just be yourself. Do not try to be like anybody else because God created you unique, and we need to know what Brent Knoth is like. We need your giftings. I don't need somebody else's giftings. And I remember when he first came on board, there were people that didn't like it. There were people talking all sorts of stuff, right? But I'm telling you right now, he got this position because he went through a process that not many people would be willing to go through. And are you thankful tonight that Brent stuck it out and stayed the course yeah. and didn't get out of the process? He is an amazing worship leader and I couldn't be more proud of you. One last story and I'm done. few years ago, my wife and I were going to go to this uh, church conference out in California. And leading up to the, the day we had to leave, it was actually the night before, and we're leaving the next morning. And that day, my son came down with some sort of severe illness. And I mean, it was from late in the morning all the way through the night, and he had this excruciating abdominal pain, and it was on the lower right side. You guys know where that, that is, right? The appendix, right? So 
at first we didn't think anything of it, but then it gets worse and worse. He wouldn't eat. He's, he's like feeling like he's got a gag. He's, he's, he wants to throw up. He's telling us all these things. And then he's saying, my tummy hurts right here. My tummy hurts right here real, real bad. And it got worse and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And it looked like, you know, because you, listen, we do exactly what you do too when things like that happen, right? You get on Google. Oh, it's like the worst thing to do, too, but we can't help it, right? Get on Google, and everything is pointing to appendicitis. And he's probably going to have to go in. I mean, he's, he's vomiting, you know, and it's just like kind of white foamy, and those are signs of appendicitis. And, and exactly where the pain was, it's appendicitis. So we're thinking about this going, man, well, let's just give it a little bit longer. Let's give it a little bit longer, you know, and, and we'll see. And maybe we're going to have to cancel our trip. You know, and, and we're getting ready to go for a week out to California with no kids. I mean, come on, somebody. We, we wanted to go. You know what I'm saying? It was a big deal for us. And so later on in the night, finally, it got so bad. It got so excruciating, excruciatingly painful for this young man. That we said, okay, that's it, you know, and now we're starting to fight. My wife and I got into a little bit of an argument, you know, because, you know, she's like thinking maybe we should cancel. I'm like, no, we are going. We are going to make it to California, woman. That I don't, you know, I, he might be sick, but somebody can take care of him. You know, I love him. He's my son, but we are not. We're going to California, right? Because, by the way, listen, love your children, but love your spouse more. I'm, I'm being real. Listen, because if your marriage ain't right when you grow up and, you know, you get married, come on, married people. If your marriage ain't right, ain't nothing going to be right with your kiddos either, is it? Yeah, come on. So we're ready to go, and we get in this argument. We're fighting now, disagreement. And I remember being in the closet. I walk into my closet, and I started yelling very quietly. <laughs> Lord, we are going. We are going to California. You ever yell quietly? You know what I'm saying? We are going to California. I am not staying here. My son is not going to be. No, this is not happened. Devil, you better blah, whatever. You know, I, I started yelling. I don't even remember what I was saying. I come out of the closet, and I looked at her, and I said, baby, we're going. And he got so bad, he's crying. And I said, that's it. We're going to take him down to the emergency room right now, you know. And uh, so... She's getting uh, my daughter ready, and then I come downstairs, and my son is down there, and he's on the floor, and I picked him up. I put him in my arms, and I'm holding him now, and my wife is getting the car ready to go. And I just started singing and praising God with him in my arms. I didn't know what else to do. There was no other option. All I did was started singing a song, and it's, it, it's a song that uh, Brian and Katie Torwalt sing, and it just popped in my head, and I just started singing, Jesus, you make all things new. Whoa, Jesus, you make all things new. And I just kept singing it over and over and over and over. And all of a sudden, we get into the car, and my son's kind of, his countenance kind of changes. Like, he, he, he comes back, he looks at me, and, I, and I'm thinking, all right, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. We put him in, into the, the vehicle, get him into his seat, and then we turned worship music on and cranked it. And as we're driving out of our subdivision, we get out onto um, Eastern Avenue over in Byron Center. And now 
you know, this fight that I got into with my wife, I felt like I was supposed to apologize and ask her to forgive me. I said, honey, I am so sorry. And now I'm crying. You know, I didn't mean to get at you like that. I didn't mean to say those things. You know, would you please forgive me? And we reconcile. Yeah, I forgive you. And we just got worship music going on. And then we get on the highway and we cranked it even more. And all of a sudden, we're singing out loud, my wife and I together. We're just praising in the midst of this circumstance that looks like it's going to lead to something we don't want it to. We start praising. And while we're on the road, all of a sudden, my son just perks up in his seat. And he starts looking at billboards. And he goes, oh, hey, Daddy, look. Brand Steakhouse. He's like, you know, five years old at that age where it's just like he just wants to say whatever word he now knows how to read, you know. And he's reading off these billboards, and I'm just going, I'm, and I'm looking at my wife like going, what is happening right now? I don't know what's happening. Let's just keep praising. Crank it up some more, right? And next thing I know, he keeps going. He keeps going. We get all the way downtown to the children's hospital, and I look back. I said, Brendan, do you feel all better? He goes, Daddy, I'm all better. I said, I said, are you sure? Like, I didn't believe him. You know what I'm saying? Unbelief, like you talk yourself. I said, no, 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 no. Like, is your pain in your stomach, is it completely gone? Daddy is all gone. Daddy is all gone. And I said, so do you want me to turn this car around or do we need to go to the hospital? He says, dad, you can turn the car, just turn the car around, daddy. Okay. I looked at my wife. I said, I think he's been healed. I, like, and I didn't do not like I was astonished. And, I'm, and she's like, I think so too. He looks like he's completely fine. We turned around and drove back home and nothing ever happened. We flew out to California the next day and my son never had that stomach pain come back. Now you might be saying, well, then it wasn't appendicitis. Listen, maybe it wasn't. I'm just glad I didn't have to find out. But I believe I know what happened. We praise God in the midst of the circumstance, and God changed the circumstance. That's what praise does. Praise actually changes. Praise actually changes your perspective. There's sometimes when I come in here and we worship, and I'm going through some stuff, and I come into a praise environment. That's why it's so good that you guys keep coming out. Listen. God ain't really interested in your church attendance, but what church attendance does is when you get into a praise atmosphere, it changes your perspective, and all of a sudden, your problems that used to intimidate you, you come into a praise and worship experience, and all of a sudden, those things that intimidated you, you actually realize, oh, I can see from God's perspective, and I actually intimidate those problems because God is for me and not against me. You start seeing things the way that he sees them, and he changes your circumstances for you. Somebody say amen. amen. Put your praise pants on, people. It's pretty simple, amen? Stand up with me. We're going to close out. Who in here would just be simply honest and say, I need help in that category? Raise your hand. Awesome. I'm going to pray for you right now. You okay with that? I don't care if you are. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for everything that's going on in our lives, God, that we fail to see because we're so focused on our problems. 
God, we choose tonight to fix our eyes on you and we choose to praise you no matter what our circumstances look like, God, no matter what our progress looks like, God, we choose to praise you in the midst of our circumstances. We choose to praise you in the midst of hellish times, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of despair, in the midst of depression, God. We praise you because we know that when we praise you, you're gonna change things for us, God. So I pray that you would strengthen every single person in this room right now that just raised their hands, God, that, that admittedly needs more of you, God, and needs your help in this category. Holy Spirit, you know exactly what they're going through. So I pray whatever it is, God, that you would help them, that you would just simply help them to become more like Jesus in the midst of their circumstances. And Jesus always went straight to his father and asked for help. So God, that's all we're doing. We're simply calling on you for help. Help us, God. We know that you're gonna deliver us out of any circumstance and any situation that seems to be facing us. God, we just trust you. We do not trust in what we see. We trust you. Thank you for being so good to us, God. And I want to pray for another group of people, too, that may want to put their faith in Jesus Christ tonight for the very first time. The Bible is clear that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if that's you and you're ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you are my savior. I believe you died for me and paid a bill that I couldn't pay so that I could be right with God. I give my life to you. I commit to following you today. Holy Spirit, I'll obey you the rest of my life. Help me to do that. Come in and change me from the inside out and make me more like your son Jesus and help me stay the course. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. If you did pray that prayer and you meant it with your heart, God knows. And I don't need to see your hands. I don't even need you to walk up front here. God knows. And that's good enough, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message from Kurt Ains this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessRLC, and be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.